0: we gonna get this thing started are we gonna do this yeah yeah we're gonna do it you know why we're gonna do it because this 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 this
1: this won't hurt a bit harvey want anything special for your
0: birthday just a decent cup of coffee i don't like coffee why not because it's a stimulant just
1: tea thank you coffee coffee
2: coffee
1: tea.
0: mental note Get coffee-colored shirts.
1: Those you know caffeine could cause serious delirium.
2: Ice-cold Coca-Cola.
3: Five-hour energy. Do the do. Red
2: Bull give you V.
0: You know, this is, excuse me, a damn fine cup of
1: coffee. And decaf. Why would you say that? Why would you say that? Why would you say that? (laughs)
2: Is caffeine good or bad this week? What's the latest? Every
1: so often there's a new study about coffee and whether or not it's healthy for you. More than four cups a day might increase the risk of an early
3: death. Could cut chances of premature death by heart disease by 15%.
1: Before you grab that cup of coffee, listen to this. Coffee could help keep a range of illnesses at bay. Diabetes, Parkinson's, heart disease, who even suicide. And we we'll like to to so like could have right now before you
0: is caffeine good or bad? Every week there's a news report that contradicts the last news report. I'm Dr. Mel Herbert. I'm
1: Dr. Jess Mason,
2: and I am Dave
0: Mason. In this episode of This One Hood a bit, we're going to discuss how caffeine works, whether there's any health benefits. We're going to talk about energy drinks, and we're going to talk about what happens when you have too much caffeine. I mean, way too much caffeine.
1: Caffeine has been around for a very long time. There's a popular legend that the coffee bean was discovered by a melancholic goat herder from either North Africa or the Middle East, depending on which source you read. He observed his goats dancing around after eating a certain berry. So then he tried the berries himself and he became happy and forgot all his troubles. So he shared the berries with a local monastery who decided to dry and boil the bean. Coffee may have been around even longer than that, Depending on the translation you read, some people think that coffee is described in the Bible and even Homer's Iliad.
0: What we know for sure, though, is that there is written accounts of coffee being brewed around 1000 AD in Yemen, in the port city of Mocha. No, come on, Mocha. Uh, I, seriously, that's the mocha, name. The mocha latte. Right next well, to a
2: cappuccino. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, but actually, Dave, if you did order mm-hmm. a coffee in the port city of Mocha, at that time, you'd probably send it back because it wouldn't look or taste anything like coffee today. It was probably more like tea because they were steeping an unroasted bean. And it wasn't until the 14th century that somebody decided to roast the bean. And coffee... It would never be the same. Coffee houses opened everywhere in the Middle East called Mekteb-e Irfan, which means the school of the wise.
0: In the 17th century, coffee and tea were gaining popularity in Europe. Coffee shops opened in Venice, in London, in Paris. Europeans started developing a whole culture and a special dishware around drinking coffee and tea. It became a whole thing. In the placing of the tea sets, exactness in details helps tremendously in giving the final impression of perfection. In addition to coffee, tea, and cocoa, there's other plants that make caffeine that aren't as well known. For instance, yerba mate and the cola nut. Dave, Mm. have you ever heard of cola nut? No. You have, in fact. I'll give you a hint. In 1886, John Pemberton mixed cocoa beans with cola nut, and what did he make?
2: Uh, Pepsi.
0: Close uh coca-cola but thank you for trying
1: so let's talk about what caffeine does to your body every person makes a chemical called adenosine throughout the day and as it builds up in your body it makes you sleepy well guess what the caffeine molecule does it displaces the adenosine
0: let's take a trip with a caffeine molecule You sip your morning coffee, it goes to your stomach, and intestines, and then into your bloodstream, and you start feeling the effects of the caffeine in about 15 minutes. It has its peak effect at about one hour. The caffeine molecules go through your whole body. They affect your entire body, but especially your brain.
1: The caffeine from your morning blend goes from your bloodstream into your brain, and displaces the adenosine that's been making you sleepy. And that's what makes you feel more awake. So small to moderate doses, such as say a Coca-Cola up to a large coffee, these have been shown to increase alertness, concentration, reasoning, and memory. The controversy over whether coffee is good or bad, well, that's nothing new. In Sweden in the 1700s, coffee was getting really popular, but King Gustav III thought that it was bad, so he set out to prove it. There was a set of identical twins, and they were condemned to death for crimes that they had committed. Gustav saw it as his opportunity to prove to the Swedish people that coffee is bad for you. So he gave the twins a choice.
3: This is King Gustav. You can either be put to death today or life in prison, but one of you has to drink tea while the other has to drink three pots of coffee every day. Then we'll see how long it takes for you to die. How does that sound? Oh,
1: yeah,
0: tak Yeah, that sounds good.
1: Gustav assigned two physicians to monitor the twins in their slow spiral into death. This has jokingly become known as the first Swedish clinical trial. So any guesses as to what happened?
0: Mm, no.
1: The first death mm. was one of the doctors. Oh. <laughs> and the second death, it was King Gustav.
2: <laughs>
1: Third death right. was the brother drinking tea, but uh-huh. he probably just died from old age because he was 83 years old. Oh. And as for the other brother who was drinking coffee, yeah. well, no one knows what happened to him because he probably outlived anyone who cared about the experiment in the first uh-huh. place and he died in obscurity. I'm sure to stop drinking the coffee now that you're all dead. Hello?
0: So... What can we conclude from this randomized trial of two people? Nothing. That
2: I would rather drink coffee than be executed that day. That is true.
0: (laughs) Uh, From a scientific point of view, we can learn nothing. But it is such a great story. Hundreds of years later, we continue to question the health benefits and the risks of caffeine. We all know that caffeine is good for people who work night shifts because it's been proven actually to reduce errors on the job. And that's especially important for doctors and nurses and cops and pilots and truck drivers. That's why there's always, I mean always, a pot of coffee in the ER. Is, is it good coffee in the ER? No. No. <laughs> in addition to keeping your weight, these small doses have a lot of other effects on your body. But it's important to keep in mind with pretty much all of these effects that the research is based on associations and not randomized trials.
1: That's why they say association does not imply causation.
0: So what is this association? I'll try and explain it this way. Everybody who eats carrots eventually dies, therefore eating carrots kills you. Oh my God, I'm never eating a carrot that sounds again. Terrible. Uh I'm totally staying away from carrots. (laughs) So that's kind of a silly example, but it gives you sort of the idea. Those two may be true, but they're not actually the cause of each other. So the carrots did not cause the death. They're associated, but they're not causing you to die. There's another really famous one, and it's about hormone replacement therapy. So there were lots of studies for many years that said women who took hormone replacement therapy after they'd passed menopause would live longer than women who didn't take hormone replacement therapy. Then what they did is they actually did randomized trials where they took people who are very similar and some got the hormones and some didn't and they found out in the randomized trials, which is a much more scientifically rigorous study, that it didn't actually work and in fact, hormone replacement therapy might shorten your life. How could this be? It turns out when they went back and looked at the original studies, the women who were getting hormone replacement therapy tended to be richer, tended to have better education, tended to eat better, tended to exercise more. And so the hormone replacement therapy was actually a measure of your socioeconomic class, not an effect of the hormones themselves.
1: Right. So keeping that in mind, uh, pretty much everything we're going to talk about from here on out is mainly associations. And we'll let you know if the data is any higher quality than that.
2: So it means everything you're about to tell me from this point on, I have to take with a grain of salt, right? Or a spoonful of sugar. Or two lumps.
1: Yeah. Okay, well, here's the first lump, Dave. Okay. Caffeine goes to your heart muscles. It triggers the release of chemicals that help with muscle contraction. If you're not a regular caffeine drinker...
2: You mean a lightweight.
1: Yeah. If you're a caffeine lightweight, it can raise your blood pressure. But this effect goes away with daily users. So over the long term, small to moderate doses may decrease your chance of a heart attack or a stroke. By association, remember, the lumps.
2: Right, lumps. Now you guys really sound like doctors. You're really being cautious with your phraseology.
0: There's something called an inverse association as well, and in this case, between coffee and tea drinking and Parkinson's disease. When you look at people who've got Parkinson's disease and you compare them with people who don't, the people who did not get Parkinson's disease tended to drink more coffee. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the coffee protects you from Parkinson's disease. Mm. It's just another association.
1: And the same type of inverse association exists with coffee and tea and type 2 diabetes. So looking at people who got diabetes and people who didn't, the people who didn't get diabetes tended to drink more coffee.
0: Caffeine stimulates smooth muscle. And that's what makes uh, your bowels move. So Dave, Mm -hmm. yes, it does indeed. help you go poopy pants. I knew it. (laughs) I knew it, because
1: it happens. And caffeine may affect your mental health. Again, it has that same inverse association with depression. But in some people, and at higher amounts, it can increase the risk of anxiety. Again, these are the effects that caffeine has at low to moderate doses, because there's a lot of ways to consume caffeine and different products have different doses.
0: So let's start with the least amount of caffeine and go up on the scale. A Hershey's chocolate bar has just 9 milligrams of caffeine.
1: An iced tea, like a Snapple or Arizona, has 15 to 20 milligrams. You've
0: got your white tea, which is about 30 to 55 milligrams, all the way up to your black tea, which can have as much as 90 milligrams of caffeine per cup. Now, my favorite vector for caffeine is diet coke or diet pepsi a standard diet coke or pepsi only has about 40 milligrams of caffeine
1: an espresso shot also has 40 milligrams
0: a standard eight ounce can of red bull or monster or rockstar gives you about 80 milligrams of caffeine but we're gonna have to come back to this because that's not the entire story with these drinks standard eight ounce cup of coffee has about 100 to 200 milligrams of caffeine.
1: And then a five-hour energy, that tiny little bottle, that's got 215 milligrams.
0: Then there's a really strong cup of coffee. It's called Death Wish Coffee, so you can imagine. So eight ounces of Death Wish Coffee has, wait for it, 440 milligrams, so more than twice what a standard cup of coffee has.
1: But you know, the most dangerous way to consume caffeine is pure caffeine powder, one teaspoon has 3,200 milligrams. What? Yes, 3,200 milligrams. That's approaching the lethal dose.
0: So that's like 10 or 20 cups of coffee Uh, in one little teaspoon. Wow. And you can just buy this online. Yeah. My name
3: is David Teets, and I'm an emergency department pharmacist at the Cleveland Clinic. So the recommended max is around 400 milligrams, but uh, the toxic amount in adults is 10 to 20 grams, or the equivalent of about 100 cups of coffee. Too high a doses can actually be fatal.
0: So it takes a lot of caffeine to kill you, but it's pretty easy to get to that level of caffeine with these highly concentrated caffeine powders.
3: That's actually unregulated because it's considered a dietary supplement by the FDA. And while 10 to 20 grams may sound like a lot, that's actually only
2: about one tablespoon of that powdered form to be fatal.
0: That's right. One tablespoon can kill you.
2: That is, that's insane. I can't even go into Target without getting carded to buy NyQuil. And you can buy this stuff online? Yeah. So we're gonna
0: come back to caffeine powder because it's really a pretty serious issue. But first, we're going to talk about those energy drinks again.
2: Yeah, so what did you mean by it's it's not really 80 milligrams of caffeine, even though it's what it says on the label? I mean, what is it like 80 milligrams of caffeine? And then we just throw in something else called baffine at
0: 400 milligrams. Actually, it's kind of like that, but (laughs) let's get some experts to talk about it for us. So you've met Stuart before. He's Captain Cortex. He's a professor of emergency medicine at the Keck School of Medicine, and he's speaking with Sean Nort, who's both an emergency physician and formerly a pharmacist. They're going to tell us about energy drinks. And what else is in them?
3: I have really just thought of these as caffeine drinks. And I think what you probably should educate us about is how these are different than just a coffee, which we knew so well for so many years. So energy drinks have a number of different components in them. One of them are caffeine. So everybody's familiar with caffeine. And then it's got some B vitamins in it. It's got a lot of sugars in it. It's got taurine, which is an amino acid. So all those are pretty safe, except when you get to the caffeine. Caffeine can be dangerous, but then there's also something called guarana. Guarana is a naturally occurring seed that has caffeine in it as well as theophylline and theobromine. So these are methylxanthines.
0: Methylxanthines are a group of chemically related compounds, caffeine being one of them, theophylline, you may have heard of that one being another, and they have very similar effects. So usually we only talk about caffeine, but these other methylxanthines, well, they act just like caffeine and we often forget about them. We shouldn't because their effects are often additive to caffeine.
2: So this
3: is caffeine on top of caffeine plus the effects of Theophilus, is this why you get more jittery on an energy drink than a regular cup of coffee? That is correct. Some of the people look up Starbucks and say, well, a tall cup of Starbucks will have about 150, 160 milligrams of caffeine. And then they look and say, well, Monster only has about 100 milligrams. A lot of these brands have what they call their energy blend, which is this proprietary kind of trade secret that they don't have to tell you how much, but there's as much as 500 milligrams of caffeine or xanthine's in each can, and if you're drinking multiple cans, you're getting into a pretty dangerous range of potential caffeine toxicity or similar agents like that.
1: So even though my energy drink says it contains 80 milligrams of caffeine, it's actually got more stimulant than that, and the problem is that we often don't know exactly how much.
2: Are there any other uses for caffeine in the medical field, other than keeping yourselves awake by
0: drinking crappy coffee at night? Well, that's clearly the most used <laughs> form, but we don't use it that much in the ear. But it is used for a few specific medical conditions. For example, it's used to treat headaches. Wow, well, that's cool. I mean, I get headaches all the time if I don't have a cup of coffee. Yeah, that's classic. That's a caffeine withdrawal headache. And that's not what I'm talking about. But that is a very <laughs> effective use. Ah. I'm talking about actually things like tension headaches and migraine headaches. When you add caffeine to aspirin or Tylenol, it seems to be more effective than just the Tylenol or the aspirin alone. So you'll often see this as A migraine tablet. It's got a little bit of Tylenol and it's got a little bit of caffeine.
1: It's also used for another type of headache sometimes that can occur after a spinal tap or lumbar puncture called a post-dural puncture headache. One of the possible treatments for this headache is caffeine, and some studies have shown an improvement in pain. Although again, the data is limited here, so it's hard to make conclusions.
0: It can also be used in premature babies. Premature babies often don't breathe very well. Little caffeine drip, they breathe like trains. This sounds pretty good, but this isn't one of your uh, inverse
2: associations. This actually works, right? Well,
0: this apnea of prematurity and caffeine effect, it seems like it's pretty real. There's been a number of studies on it, and it seems to save these babies' lives. Score one for caffeine.
1: Ding. Yay.
0: Saving babies.
1: And while on the topic of babies, is caffeine safe for pregnant women? According to the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, most experts say that consuming 200 milligrams of caffeine or less per day is safe. So that's about one cup of coffee, depending on the size. But the data here is pretty limited. It's unclear if this dose of caffeine may increase the risk for small birth weight, and it's also unclear if higher doses than this increase the risk for miscarriage. Again, this is just expert opinion based off of looking at associations. They obviously can't do randomized controlled trials on pregnant women, so it's really difficult to get high quality data here. And caffeine also goes into the breast milk, but again in low amounts, and it's not thought to be harmful by this same group of experts.
0: Now Dave, do you know that caffeine is sometimes used as a workout supplement? Uh, Well, I I have not
2: heard of that before we started working on this episode, Uh, and I did ask... My fitness trainer, Steven Yates, who appeared in concussions if he had ever heard of this before, and this is what he said. Basically, the principle is if your heart rate is up to a certain level, you're in a target rate to burn fat. So say if I'm doing resistance training and I'm not doing cardio, me just walking to the next machine, my heart rate will stay at a higher rate just because. So I'll be closer to my target fat burn rate the whole time. But that's my trick but I'm pretty sure that that's why they have it in all of the pre-workouts. So people do
3: commonly use caffeine as a training aid and bottom line is it does work.
0: That's Matt Baird, an emergency physician and sports medicine physician.
3: Seems in low doses that it does enhance performance and it certainly seems to help with short term duration exercise. So exercise lasting about five minutes and that's been studied in the laboratory. There's not definitive data or studies showing that it clearly improves time times in endurance events, but it's generally thought to do so. There's no evidence to suggest that it improves time with sprinting. In fact, it looks like it does not. And that sprinting means exercise of a duration of zero to 90 seconds. So it clearly seems to be a ergonomic aid or an, a, a performance improver, but how much is, is difficult to quantify, and we don't have the studies to, to tell us
1: that. And what happens with too much caffeine? Because it's not just about perky mornings and saving babies. At some point, you're gonna cross the line where it's too much and it starts to make you sick. Now, I'm not talking about the lethal dose, but just enough to make you feel awful. I spoke with some doctors, nurses, and paramedics that I work with about their experiences taking care of patients, and a few of them that were patients themselves.
3: The patient uh, was basically a college student who was trying to do too much stuff, so was taking both coffee and monster drinks, camping that she bought from somebody off the street.
1: I had some very strong caffeinated coffee. I believe it was Death Wish.
3: Expresso coffees, went back to his dorm and used two Red Bulls right back to back.
0: I really like the taste of Red Bull, just as a drink. And I went down to the ear, I drank two Red Bulls one after another.
1: They just took the caffeine and poured it into my Pepsi, and I just downed the whole cup.
3: She got very anxious and very agitated, and her heart was racing extremely fast. I
1: became very lightheaded, and the room began to spin. It feels like all of your skin is trying to crawl off of you.
3: Felt like his heart was going to jump out of his chest.
0: And so I put my hand on my pulse, as a position, and I noted that my pulse was approximately 180.
3: She was like 160s, 170s. It
1: had to be greater than 150. His Either heart
3: rate was up. 220. She was in what we call a SVT. It's where the upper chambers of the heart are beating way too fast and, and irregularly. So she was going about two to three times as fast as her heart would normally go. My
1: heart was racing. I felt it like skipping beats. It is torture. I couldn't even catch my breath, and then all of a sudden projectile vomiting. I could not stop throwing up. She
3: had to get a medicine called adenosine, which would break her out of that abnormal heart rhythm, and plus she was given some other medicines to help. It's sort of like a benzodiazepines like Valium and th- type type medications to help to calm her down as well, because she was extremely distressed.
1: Gave me some IV fluids and let me rest a bit, and I felt better.
3: He did fine. We followed up on him the next day. They observed him in the emergency room. He was discharged without complications.
1: I am very thankful that I did something stupid like that while I worked in the ER. But it just took some time and I never drank it again. <laughs> I mean, I'm still a coffee drinker and all that, but all in moderation, of course. So you might be asking,
0: uh, is there an antidote to caffeine? If I can get this over the counter, if one tablespoon can kill me, Surely there's an antidote out there that ER docs can use to save your life. There is no antidote.
1: And tragically, there are cases of families devastated by the loss of a loved one. 18-year-old Logan Steiner was just days from graduating from a Northeast Ohio high school when he was found unresponsive in the family's home. The teen died after overdosing on caffeine powder. The coroner ruled he had 23 times the normal amount in his system. Here is a statement... Written by Dennis and Katie Steiner from LaGrange, Ohio. Read by our producer, Cece. Logan was more than a prom king, an athlete, and a graduating senior. He was our son and Dylan's little brother. Before May 27th, 2014, we had never heard of caffeine powder. Now we think about it every day. How could Logan have died from caffeine? Could it happen to others? We started doing research. We decided that we must do everything we can to get this product off the market and away from other children.
0: Through the hard work of Katie and Dennis Steiner and the Ohio State legislation, retail sales of caffeine powder are now banned. This makes Ohio the 15th state to place a ban on caffeine powder. It's important to remember that deaths from caffeine are really rare. Yes, caffeine powder is really concentrated and potentially really dangerous. But most caffeine that you drink in coffee and tea and even in your energy drinks is not at a level that you even have to worry about it.
1: So where does this leave us with caffeine? We've heard the good, the bad, and the tragic.
0: We heard how much caffeine in your drink varies. I mean, it varies a lot. And that energy drinks can have a bunch of other stuff that act like caffeine, but are not really counted as caffeine. But they have the same effect. We've got to be really
1: careful with energy drinks. And we also heard that the reason that there's confusion about why caffeine keeps changing when it comes to being good or bad for you is because most of the studies are looking at association. They're the worst type of study, but they're the easiest to do. So now that you know all this, are you going to change your caffeine habits?
0: I think Betsy says it best when it comes to caffeine and frankly, for most things in life.
1: Everything in moderation in life. There was a lot of people who helped us put this episode together. So special thanks to Nathan Berzaitis, Dr. Lance Wilson, Kathy Byrne,
0: Matt Baird, Trish Ball, Betsy Martinez,
1: David Teets, Dr. Stuart Swadron, and Dr. Sean Nort. Our producers are Cece Herbert and Bill Connor. Sound design is by Bill Connor.
0: This One Heard a Bit is a production of Foolyboo Incorporated. The information you hear on This One Heard a Bit should not be taken as actual medical advice. If you have actual medical questions about actual medical things, you should see an actual medical practitioner. Even though we are actually doctors, we're not your actual doctor. So be sensible and keep it real. And this, oh this. This. This 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 won't hurt a bit.